0: Welcome, I'm Roger Bell West. And I'm Lee, back again. And we have more games than time. <laughs> uh, what we don't have this month is an interview, but we're going to talk about some games we've played and uh, the games we swapped over two months ago, which obviously we've had plenty of time to have a really deep dive on, <laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs> and hopefully normal service will re- resume next time round. But thanks very much to Paul. If you haven't listened to the last episode, it's a really interesting discussion between him and Roger on war games.
0: And uh, so onwards to what we've been playing recently. One game that I've had a chance to play recently for the first time in quite a while is The Quacks of Quedlinburg. Oh, right.
1: The, uh, the famous drag... Drag? <laughs> drag queens, Famous bag puller from Alex Vander.
0: Wurz or uh, Wolfgang Kars. Yeah. Uh, who also designed you know, the mind and wavelength and a bunch of other games. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a combination of bag builder and push your luck. And yeah, the, this is, this is, a, I should say this is a, not officially a solvable game. There are some things on BGG that let you do it. So mm. have, um, have you been playing it solo then? No, I was able for no, the first okay. time in, a, in about six months to have people, it, it warm enough to have people over here. In the garden, um, still masked, but uh, able to play games face to face. It's really been reminding me of, for me, the the two strands of board game wonderfulness. The reasons I enjoy it are the mm. physical bits and the socialisation. I mean, obviously, in the solo game, you don't get the socialisation, mm. um, but the physical bits are important. And I'll come yeah. I'll come back to that later. So, as a quick summary, you've got a bag of stuff. Each round, you you pull things out of the bag one at a time. Uh, they gradually increase your score, or potential score, mm-hmm. uh, unless you get too many of the white ones that you start with, uh, at which point it explodes. If it explodes, <laughs> you can get victory points or coins based on how far you got on the track, but if it doesn't explode, you get both.
1: Right, okay. O- otherwise, so, there so is there's, there's a chance. currency that's taking place in the game, then.
0: Yeah, each token is worth a number of points sort of one Mm -hmm. to four typically uh and you go that go that far along the track when when you pull it and then there there are various special effects the the currency you buy more ingredients with will let you say okay i'll I'll get one of these red ones and the red one means that if i've already drawn an orange the red is worth an extra point and the orange one means something else and so on and and the variation you get in it is each the the coloured tokens are the same each game, but what they mean can change. You, you have a set of different cards, and you choose at the beginning of the game what each what each colour will be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's a catch up mechanism. Uh, the further behind right. the leader other players get, the the more bonus points they get at, at the start of the round. So effectively, they've already got you know three or four or five tokens yeah. tokens worth of score in there. Um, and yeah, the the reason I haven't really explored the solo thing is, uh, say that the, the social aspect, because it's a competitive game, but it feels a bit like a cooperative game because when, when you explode, it's not because somebody else did something to you. It's because you made that mistake of pulling, pulling the one thing too many, but it, it feels right. as if, you know, we, we are all in the same situation. Um, this time I got lucky and you didn't. Next time it mm-hmm. may be the other way around. Have, have you played, have you ever played Port
1: Royal? I have, yeah. Or Port Royale as some people confusingly call it.
0: Been a while, but yes.
1: Yeah, so yeah. is it sort of similar thing to that?
0: Um It does. I mean that again is a very basic
1: push your luck thing, keep drawing cards if if you if if you screw up it's because you drew too many.
0: Yeah, um I think there are fewer types of uh thing. I, I think there are about six or seven colours altogether. Mm-hmm. And some of them have different values, but basically you, you don't have as much variety of, uh, as you would with the Port Royal cards. Um, right. But I, I, I think it's, it's it's certainly that same feeling of, I, I was trying for this thing. You, you are all playing simultaneously, which I think also helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've you right. got that feeling of, I, I was trying for this and it went wrong, but yeah... Yeah. it's not because you are a better player than I am. It's it's uh, mm. it is. I mean, to some extent it is you, you, you keep track of how, how much of the uh, whites is still in your bag and you know, how risk, how much risk you're at, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel as if, you know, I am dominating you just because I played better. Yeah. Or at least it doesn't to me. I have this unfortunate habit of winning.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't played any of his games, Um but I don't know, with the possible exception of Gansha and Clever that the, the the impression i've had of, of all of them is this sort of feeling of organized chaos
0: mm. Genshin cover is the only, only other one i have played
1: mm-hmm. so
0: i can't really say how, mu- how much that might uh, affect things but uh, <laughs> yeah it, it feels friendly even though it's competitive and i and i think that's that's a slightly rare thing and obviously it there, is
1: and, and it's It's a thing to be celebrated, I think.
0: There is a lot of randomness in there, and, uh, you know, Mm. a a, a great player could do terribly if they screw up too badly, but, yeah, such Mm -hmm. is life. The other thing I was going to say about the physical components is um, I don't normally do the whole component improvement thing on games.
1: Uh, Apart from your 3D printing habit.
0: Yeah, but that's... (laughs) Well, yeah, I've I've done that for about two or three games, and I've done storage solutions with, with the 3D printer for a lot more. Um, but generally I don't try to replace the components. In this mm. case, um, there's a, a BGG pub, uh, BGG public, um, sell the geek up bit set, which is basically, a, I think it's resin of some sort, um, right. pieces, which you, you could very easily mistake them for sweets. You know, do not, do not play this with small children nearby. Okay. Um, they, they've, they've got the relevant printing on them. They've used the original artwork. Um, mm-hmm. but they, instead of, uh, cardboard chips, they are, thick rounded translucent resin and they they are right. they are gorgeous uh i i knew I, I first played this with somebody else's set of these mm. and i knew at that point i was not going to be happy playing with cardboard
1: i yeah i can understand that i think i mean there's something about pulling cardboard chips out of bags that's never been particularly satisfying to me and i always worry that, about the wear on the cardboard chips as well
0: mm. Thinking about it, I think the the only other bag builder I've played very much is Automobiles. We talked about a few episodes ago, and and in that it's wooden cubes. So again, it doesn't. Yeah. Get, you've got a slight tactile thing. Um, yeah, I I have a vague sensation of having pulled chips out of a bag, but I don't now remember what it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it it's an old, it, it's a game that does a really good job of ha- having a, having a particular feeling to it. Which I, mm-hmm. I really didn't expect from what is essentially quite a simple, but I mean, I, I would expect at, yeah, at a party with reasonably intelligent people, you could teach them to play this, even if they're not board gamers. Mm-hmm. It, okay. It, it, it's quick enough for that. Yeah. And yet
1: though. It was, um, it was as Yara's nominated, wasn't it? Which is, I believe know, sort so. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's.
0: I, I never quite I, I don't know, know what family
1: level games Spiel as You as these days, would you say?
0: Yeah, I even the kennespiel which which used to be uh, a bit more complex, seems it seems to be going more towards the family end these days. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the, trying to
1: remember the the word that they use. It's um, that they, they're very they're very determined that Kenespiel is not expert level, which is what it which is what it often gets translated as. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of that next step game, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean. Phew.
1: I guess we're getting off on a bit of a tangent here. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, we,
0: we, we I, I think one, maybe one, maybe one thing a discussion for future episode. Well, it's, it's, I think it's a thing that gets very obvious just in terms of our different tastes here. There, there is no game that is the perfect mm. game for everybody, anyway. No, um, and and quite honestly, nor should there be. Yeah, but I, I think this does have a, have a pretty broad appeal. Um, mm. I mean, reasonably experienced gamers can have fun with it. Yeah, you, you can't lay a deep strategy, but it's part of that. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. So that's uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Oh
1: well then, Roger, I've been delving into the Oniverse.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've, play,
1: I've, I've played, we, played uh, one of those. You've played one of those. Which have you played? Onirim. Uh, Onirim, which I think we mentioned briefly on a, a previous episode that I really didn't like.
0: <laughs> I did, um, I did like it. I played it a bunch of times and had a good time, and then all of a sudden... I didn't really enjoy it anymore, and I passed it on to somebody else who hadn't played it yet, and for all I know, he's passed it on again, so... Okay, well
1: that's interesting. So we'll see we'll see how that compares to what I'm about to say. So, specifically, the game I'm going to talk about now is Sylveon, mm-hmm. um, which, in common with all of the Oniverse games, has absolutely gorgeous artwork and presentation. Yeah. Um, I think possibly the second edition of... Um, of only room was the same as almost sort of like a, a storybook approach where you folded out different gate fold bits to get to the rule book and oh
2: yeah
1: right no you you really feel with Silvian like you're entering into this world mm-hmm. um the world in this case being um it's, it's a tower defense game basically
2: okay
1: and you're trying to protect the forest from burning
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so there's two different types of cards in the game so it's, it's a card game Um and one deck of cards is the the fire basically. Okay. Um and the other deck of cards is the cards that you have to try and stop the fire advancing. Um at the start of the game you lay out uh, an area on the table which is four cards by four cards. So that's a you know a rect although it's in fact in reality it's a square. It's actually a rectangle on your table because of course cards are rectangular. Sure. Uh, which means that for quite a small game, it's a bit of a table
0: hog. So these are what, fairly standard-sized cards?
1: Uh, yeah, they're slightly narrower. I think they're what's called poker size as opposed to normal playing card size. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, so it takes up quite a lot of chunk of space. You're talking about, you know, six cards wide in either direction. Okay. Um, so it's not something you can play on your lap. Um. The very basic level, what you're doing is um, at the start of your turn, you reveal the, um, you've got four decks of these uh, fire cards down the right-hand side of your playing area. Yeah. You reveal one card on each one. Some of them will be the fire itself. Some of them will manipulate what's happening in the game. So they might tell you to advance the fire immediately. They might tell you to make the fire card stronger. So if it's a, a... a a strength one fire becomes a strength two they go up to strength four is the maximum
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, or it might tell you to discard some cards from your hand okay okay Um, once you've completed those sort of manipulation cards you'll then advance those cards to the left Um, so they could potentially move two spots if one of the other cards has already told them to advance once okay you then get your turn which is um, to draw three cards and then play cards from your hand. Um, These might be, uh, you can place fountains into the playing area, which again have a strength similar to the fire. So if the fire hits a fountain, um, if it's a lower strength than the fountain, it will be discarded from the game. If it's a greater strength, then the fountain is discarded from the game and the fire will keep advancing. Right. Um. The other thing you can play is various animal cards of woodland creatures who'll do what they can to stop the fire advancing.
0: I'm sure I've um, seen, seen the, uh, this in a Disney film sometimes. Well, it's it a bit, well. it's a bit
1: like that. It's <laughs> this, you know, only verse dream world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'll, you know, I'll come back onto the different kinds of animals and why that really becomes dream worldish <laughs> in a moment. <laughs> um, if the fire advances as far as the, 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 effectively the fifth spot. So if, if you, well, I said it was a four by four grid. So yeah. if it goes four spaces to the left, if it then hits the edge of that, then it's going to flip, uh, uh one of your border cards. You've got 12 border cards at the start of the game. Um, mm-hmm. depending on difficulty, you might start with them all with the tree side up or some with the fire side up. If okay. they all, if they all flip to the fire side, then you've lost.
0: So the the feeling I'm getting is basically things are gradually moving across the field where you try to deal with them, and if you fail to deal with them in time, you you exactly lose you lose so. that overall resource. Exactly
1: so, yeah. And as I said, so it's basically at its heart, it's a very simple tower defense game, mm-hmm. which is something you would think would be tailor made for solitaire gaming. Um, in yeah. practice, I think it's more commonly a co-op game experience. Um, like the other games of the Universe series, Sylvion is officially listed at one to two players. Okay. In this game, I've I've never played it at two players, um, but the two player rules basically say that you take turns. So one yeah. turn it's
0: yeah. so, one, one
1: turn you, you advance all the fire, you draw your cards and play them, you advance the fire again, then the other person draws their cards and play them. There's no interaction, but
0: yeah. So if effectively, you, you could say something similar for practically any one player game, couldn't you? Well, exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I, I've um, certainly played um, Hornet Leader with a friend, yeah. where we, you know, without any formal multiplayer rules, it's just we, we were saying, okay, you know, here is how this works. Shall we do this or that? We talk about it a bit, and then yeah. we agree, and then we do it. Um, yeah, exactly. There, there's no mechanical support there. It's just a way of making it a bit more sociable.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. It, I mean, you, you can see why, um, why the universe games often get called solitaire games with a tacked on two player mode. I mean, that, that's, yeah, what this is, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. So the woodland
1: creatures that they're sort of what makes the game fun and interesting. Um, you've got, uh, squirrels where you can look at the, the, the fire cards before they come up and rearrange them. <laughs> um, Hedgehogs, they, they obviously sort of curl into a ball and go defensive. So what they allow you to do is if you've got a hedgehog card in your hand, you can immediate, immediately discard one of these fire cards um, before it takes effect.
0: That's nice. Yep.
1: It's very nice. Doves are wonderful. Um, they can let you just discard the top card of of, uh, of the fire pile. Without even revealing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can combine them, say, with the squirrels where you've just checked to see what cards are are coming up, place them back in the order you want, and then use a dove to get rid of them.
0: Right. Having decided, Um, right, I I can get rid of the top one, so I'll pick, I'll put the worst one on top, that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So you can start to see how strategies build in the game. Um, Owls work to give you a, a, a sort of, you know, the wisdom creature they they allow you to mm-hmm. draw more cards into your hand um and then there are the the classic woodland animals elephants
0: yeah which well well known <laughs> as, a, as a woodland creature yep
1: yep exactly um so they spray water onto specific fires and put them out with their trunks mm-hmm. um and then the other famous woodland creature the whale um, which right. <laughs> moves fire around the battlefield for want of a better
2: place. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're,
1: they're, I don't know why whales are even involved and in how they affect that. I don't know, but that's something that's going. Oh, and stags are the other one. Stags allow you to flip some of these um, border cards from the fireside back to the to the treeside. Okay. Um, again, why they're doing that, I don't know, but that's what they do. Um, (laughs) apart from fountains, the other cards you've got in your hand are tree cards, which you can place into the battlefield. And if they're still there at the end of the game, they score you points. Okay. Um, so I mean, that's a way that you could measure your progress by, you know, counting your score at the end of the game. Quite honestly, I've never bothered with that. So, so it's Uh, mostly presented as,
0: as a win loss.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's exactly how I approach it. Either I've won or I haven't at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, In common with the other Universe games, it scales up. So the, you know, the first uh, difficulty level really is sort of just a tutorial to learn the game. Yeah. Um, And it gets more complex as it goes on. Uh, There's more cards that can add in. There's two, two expansions that are in the box Hmm. Um, that give sort of powerful one-off abilities. The other thing that needs to be said about the game, the expert level, the final level as it were, it becomes a very long game, um, up to an hour of play. Okay. Um, and the reason for this is it adds an extra stage, which I've heard some people on BGG say is their favorite part of the game. <laughs> um, to me, it's a very lengthy part of setup okay so what it does is it introduces a drafting phase before the main game right as as far as drafting goes as um it's an interesting way to approach drafting in a solo game i haven't seen it quite anywhere else um so from your hat your your deck of um you know the, the the good deck as it were um you draw four cards you choose one to take into your hand yeah um you then flip uh a card which will tell you oh sorry no you then draw four more cards and place them up onto the four same four spaces so you've now got effectively three piles of two cards and one card on its own from the Mm
2: -hmm. where
1: the gap was that you took one you then flip a card which will have a number on it between one and four and that row gets destroyed so you never see those cards again right Draw four cards, so you've now you know, potentially got two rows of three and one of two and one of one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you choose one to draft into your hand and you repeat the process as you go along with a cap on those rows of cards can never be more than four. Once they hit four, you don't add any more cards to that row.
0: And presumably it can still get randomly destroyed.
1: And it can still get randomly destroyed and you do that um 12 times to form your hand starting hand so it introduces it does introduce sort of strategy to you know a, a deck construction phase if you like to the game um
0: it feels like a very different flavor from the rest of the game
1: it it does um and i think so there's there is a problem with it um and i think with all of those woodland creatures and the fountains and everything else i think there are many different ways to win the game yeah however once you get to this deck deck construction thing i know i certainly fall into a trap of saying okay well i know i can win by playing these cards cards therefore i want a lot of these cards in my hand yeah so i end up building the same deck every time and i end up playing the same game every time and i win consistently so i
0: don't explore the game to its full depth so if, if you were, um, randomizing, then you would say, okay, this time I've got these cards, I've got to play with these cards. They're the ones I ended up with. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I mean, I, I loved Sylveon. It was, um,
1: one of my top 20 games on uh, the BGG solo games for, um, a few years when I first got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have this, um, this, this, there's a limit to the amount of times you can play it, I think, because you end up falling into the same boat of defeating it the same way. It is solvable. Um, despite the fact that there's several different ways to win the game.
0: So I suppose and you, it's... you could say to yourself, this time I'm not going to use that card combo. I'm going to take something a- absolutely. else.
1: Absolutely. And, and I've tried doing that. Yeah. I've, I've sort of said to myself, Oh, I'm going to try a different victory path this time. And you, you can do that. And there is, there is another mini expansion, which is available as a promo. Yeah. Um, incredibly frustratingly. Um <laughs> It seems to be regularly printed in America, but copies of it never make it outside of America.
0: Right. Which yeah. means
1: that to get it over here, you've got to pay $6 for the promo and then another $15 for shipping. Mm-hmm. And then because you've tipped over the £15, you're going to have to pay import tax on it as well. And yeah, it's basically like buying another copy of the game. So although I've always wanted to try it, I haven't. I don't know exactly what it adds to the game, whether it helps correct some of those issues of um, solving it or not um, but you know that being said I think for most people you're going to get 10 to 15 games out of it before you reach this solving stage mm-hmm. um, I hadn't played the game for between a year or two before this month um, so I was interested to see whether revisiting it now I could go back to how it used to be but i I won the game doing the same thing I always used to do, <laughs> so that length of that length of um of absence yeah didn't change anything um it's a shame it's a game i i say so I love and I love the artwork and I love the concept behind it um but having reached this state where it's effectively solved for me, I think it might be time to move it on
0: yeah the the um thing I was finding with Onirim, or Aniririm or have you ought to pronounce it uh is. To start with, I was playing it and sometimes winning and sometimes losing, and that that was fine. And then, then I okay, I I need to have a procedure to follow here. And then I got to the point where I was refining the procedure, and that was the interesting bit. And the actual playing the game was just an exercise in applying that procedure. Yeah. Uh, I probably should have tried more of the um, expansions, because the the second edition comes with a whole bunch of them, and you can combine them however you want to. But... uh, Mm. The the call cool game had rather lost its luster for me at that point, which is yeah, yeah. possibly not the game design's fault. It may be my my approach to no. playing it. But uh...
1: so I mean that's why I said when you said mentioned that that was your experience of him that there there might be some similarities there that there was this you know you start off absolutely loving it, but there was a point where I I'd, I'd, I don't hate it. I don't despise the game in any way shape or form i still think it's a very good game but I, I i'm not getting the same out of it anymore now that i'm winning consistently
0: yeah so, so it might well be a game one we'll, would we'll recommend to people in the right context but without saying you know this is going to be the core of your collection is just say, yeah this is absolutely isn't, this isn't last absolutely
1: forever. i mean as i say it's it's a beautifully presented game it's a very small box so it doesn't take up a lot of space in your in your collection um it, it's an hour's Play at the expert level, Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's got a lot to recommend it, and it's not. I'm assuming it's in print at the moment. You know, it's not an expensive game either. I think it's twenty five pounds new, second hand packs a bit less than that. Um, So for you know a dozen plays, it's it's worth it.
0: Particularly since you know you get it second hand, keep it in reasonably good nick, move it on second hand. Exactly. Okay. People other than me seem to manage this.
1: I think I bought my copy for £15 many years ago in the bring and they're bringing by at UKGE
0: <laughs> So yeah. Sylvion do you have a designer? Sylvion by Shaddy Torby mm-hmm. uh, Another game I've played not actually while, while, uh, while uh, lockdown was happening Though there, there is a tabletop simulator version Tobago uh, by, mm. by Bruce Allen it's his only published design though I'm not quite sure why deduction and hand management, basically. I so, think, did
1: I play this with you at one point during lockdown? You... I may, played it with somebody on Board Game Avena.
0: You may have. Yeah, there, there is a BGA version though, it's, it's quite buggy. Yeah. I, I played a few games on there and um, it gets into a state where it just won't let you make a move at all for, you yeah, know, maybe a day no. or so. So, <laughs> uh, And, and, and then, then it moves on and everything's fine. Uh, so... Yeah, basic idea. You're on an island looking for treasure. You can either, on your turn, you can either move and maybe dig up treasure or play a card to one of the four clue stacks. Mm -hmm. And it'll say something like, the treasure is not in the largest forest or the treasure is one or two hexes from a hut. And you have to reduce the search space, but you have to leave at least one possible. Mm -hmm. And the, the clues you play get your player marker on them. Then when there's only one possible place it can be... Somebody, somebody can move to that spot and actually raise it. Everybody who yeah. put down a card gets a share and whoever raises it gets a share.
1: I mean, it's Tobago, I think it's an interesting game because it's, how old is it now? It's over 10 uh, years 2009, old. 2009, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not aware of any other game that does something quite like this. I mean, it's not a classic deduction game. You're, you're creating the rules to say where the treasure is.
0: Well, there are some similar ones. Um Treasure Island and Cryptid that came out a couple of years ago both have the mm. approach of well, it's, it's not it's not an automated thing. I and mean, in, in both mm-hmm. in both of those, I think you you have. I'm not sure about Cryptid. Treasure Island, certainly, you have one player who is the owner of the treasure, and they mm. need, they need to give some clues to find things down a bit without giving so many clues that somebody else can actually find it. Mm. Uh, Cryptid, so that's. Uh... Yeah
1: yeah that's a sort of a one versus game isn't it whereas this is everybody's competing on the same level
0: yeah I think cryptid is everybody competing on the same level and that there are there are mm. cards that set up what the clues are but i haven't, I haven't played that one so I don't know yeah it feels almost as if it could be cooperative though obviously it isn't because uh, yeah. c- again you you have you you're all in the same boat going against the mechanics of the game mm. as as well as trying to outdo each other
1: yeah and I, it does have that thing in it, I think where you know if somebody's putting all their clues down for one cut for one treasure which you know means that they'll score all of that treasure mm-hmm. then nobody else is going to bother helping with it effectively. yeah so there is that cooperative element where you're wanting to spread out and chip in with every treasure
0: yeah you you certainly have to cooperate at least a little bit i I usually try to get in at least one or two cards on everything. Uh, yeah, this doesn't work particularly well. I don't often win the game, but <laughs> in, in principle, I think it makes sense as, as, as an approach to take.
1: Um, I mean, they're the they, um, what? What are they called? The the uh, sort of the wild card things you get.
0: Uh, you, do you, you think the curse cards or the amulets?
1: The amulets.
0: Yeah, the the amulets pop up when a treasure is collected, and you you can you collect them by moving to them, and they basically let you do practically anything. Um, yeah. In the, in the sense that you, then, you can take an extra turn uh you can remove a cube from the map and find down where the treasure yeah. is that kind of thing uh they they also let, let you ignore the curse cards which come up later in the in the uh um yeah yeah they they of course they have the sensible thing of they are completely worthless at the end of the game And yeah no, so uh, are
1: they i'm trying to remember the amulets cards they get revealed from the
0: treasure stack uh no the the amulets appear um at, just randomly on the map, at predictable but changing locations yeah. on the map when the treasures get raised. basically yeah. you you follow, they are you follow what the way the statue's of. facing, and then then you put one down on there. So you can tell where it's yeah. go, where it's going to be, um, but yeah, not, but not necessarily when it's going to turn up.
1: No, I mean, they are. I was just thinking, that they are interesting. I, I've looked at them and thought I can see the benefit of them, but they're quite expensive to get to move over there just to get an amulet. And while that's happening, I'm not trying to get the treasure.
0: Yeah, they will eventually appear everywhere, but that's eventually.
1: Yeah, I can remember playing a game with um, Vicky, who Mm -hmm. you know as well. Hopefully one day we'll have her on the show. Yeah, she just hoovered up these amulet cards and won the game quite comfortably. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting strategy.
0: Yeah, if if you have one or two amulets, uh, then that's basically, okay, I'm, I'm going to be immune to the treasure curse. Which which yeah. which is nice. If you have a bunch more, then you can say, okay, I'm now gonna I'm gonna burn these to take extra turns, and th- mm. then you can do things like, all right, I I am now going to fi- find the uh, location down from from five squares to one one square, yeah, and then immediately go and raise the treasure by spending a bunch of amulets.
1: Yeah, I mean, it also meant that she was effectively playing her own game at that point, where you know, <laughs> we just said it's almost like a cooperative game where we're all trying to chip in for spreading our odds across the different treasures because she was spending her turns getting the amulets, she could mm. then go and choose what she did and the most valuable routes for her.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I don't know that this is an overpowering strategy. No, I don't
1: think it is. I mean, this is more what I'm saying, that there is these alternative routes you can take within it, which is mm. a sign of a good game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course, one thing about hoovering up lots of amulets is that means everybody else is hoovering up lots of treasures, because you, you yeah. the amulets only appear when the treasures get raised, so...
1: Well, exactly. As I say, you know, I, I looked at them and thought, you know, I can see the value of them, but I think it's the, the cost of getting them for me. The turns to go there and get them is, is too great. And that's why I chose mm. not to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if the power was so great that the cost was insignificant, then everybody would be rushing for them. Sure. It's, 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 it's an alternative route and it's really nicely balanced in the game, I think.
0: The thing I haven't tried yet um, is the volcano expansion. Which which has just come out, is not it? Yeah, for for an eleven year old game, which is yeah unexpected. Um,
1: oh, well, absolutely, balmy. I think.
0: <laughs> I, well, I, I I was always going to uh, buy it as if it wasn't completely horrible because I mm. really want to encourage publishers to bring out expansions for eleven year old games. But yeah, so, uh, yeah. So so that puts uh, it, you you got this very nice resin volcano casting, which takes mm-hmm. takes up seven hexes somewhere on the island. But the thing is, it. it it spreads out lava um, by various means and this can change uh the terrain because you know lava goes over a bit of terrain it's not forest or plains or whatever anymore it's now lava but this means that 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 clue that said the thing is in the biggest forest well that's not the biggest forest anymore that one over there is because that 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 bit's just lost a hex that kind of thing yeah um it looks as if it makes it a lot more complicated and puzzly, is my first impression. Mm. I haven't actually played it yet. Uh, but definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, if it's, it's still out there, it's, it's, um, I think reasonably available new. I, I got mine second hand.
1: Well, I would assume that they would have done a new print run if they've just mm-hmm. got out the expansion. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, what what's the point in doing the expansion?
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- this is also a question of timing because. Quite a few of the very serious gamers I know played this a lot when it first came out and played it to mm. death, which is you know fair yes. enough um i I didn't because I only found out about it four or five years ago
2: mm-hmm.
0: so i I'd I missed that phase of everybody's playing I, you probably remember the way terraforming Mars was on every table at every convention yeah. for a while um so i i've I've missed that I haven't overplayed it i'm I'm still not terribly good at it but i'm but i'm having I'm still exploring and having fun with it which uh
1: well. Yeah, I mean the, the hope of um, a new expansion like that is that it brings those players back again as well, and everybody can, you know, treat it as a new game. Mm.
0: Also, all the expansion bits do fit into the core cool game box,
1: which is always a great consideration. I'm, I'm sure in 2009 they they planned that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, it matters to me. I like to store everything in the, in the base box, but when, yeah, when, when I can't, it gets awkward. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Um, I, I I I've got I I've won got won. the
0: big Star Realms box from from the last kickstarter which is you know wider than me and mm. um I just never take that anywhere because it's a, it's a huge <laughs> box that doesn't fit in any bag I have so but the the game I actually the the box I actually take is is the little Star Realms Frontiers mm-hmm. thing. but uh, yeah it's it's I'm sure there are people who've played it to death, and if you have, then fair enough. But I, I'm still, as I say, in the discovery phase, and I'm still really enjoying it when I get a chance to get a game in. Uh, that, that is Tobago. Excellent. Well, return
1: to the universe. I'm now going to talk about Castellion by Shady Torby. Mm-hmm. Um. So... I spent a long time trying to decide many years ago whether Sylveon or Castellion was the better game. And honestly, I still don't know which I prefer, (laughs) except to say that, as I say, Sylveon is is a solvable puzzle that I think it's time for me to move on from. Mm -hmm. Castellion is a lot more random. Um, So this is a a tile-laying game um, in which... On your turn, you draw a tile and you place it to a six by six grid. Okay. So there's a small play area. Um, each tile has one of three shapes on it a square, a circle, a triangle. You can't place one shape next to its same shape. Okay. So you can't place a circle next to a circle.
0: That's going to. Give you very few choices quite often I suspect.
1: Yep, it does. Um, there's four different colours in the game. This is a very abstract game. Um, I mean, I could tell you the the theme, but really, it makes no sense at all. This is basically yeah. an abstract tile layer.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so there's four different colours in the game. In later levels of difficulty, because again, it's that Onlyverse chatty Torby thing, where the three different levels of difficulty. The first is basically a tutorial. Mm-hmm. The second adds a few more rules in. The third level is where the game's really at. Right. Um, so these um, different colours give you a different ability if you choose to discard the tile, which, of course, as you just pointed out, you might actually have no choice but to discard it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So sometimes it's an option. Sometimes you might have to discard it. If you do discard it, you've then got the choice whether to activate the power of this colour Or to ignore it. Yeah. Um, The powers include um, I think the green ones, you can pick up another card tile from your discard pile um, of the same shape, but a different color, and play that instead. Mm -hmm. Um, The blue ones, I think they let you draw four other four tiles instead of just drawing one at a time and playing it, they let you draw four.
0: And then play them in any but then order. But you've
1: got to play those four in one order or another before you can draw any more. Right. Um, the orange ones um, let you rearrange two tiles. Um, I think it's exchanging one for uh, it, 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 two neighbouring tiles. You can switch them. Okay. Um, And the brown ones, I think I've got the orange and the brown, the right way around. The brown ones let you move one tile from the top of a pile to somewhere else.
0: So basically, once stuff's on the board, it's staying there.
1: Yeah, um, to an extent. (laughs) So at the start of the game, you reveal three different challenges, they're called. Um, And when you flip over these tiles... Sometimes there won't be any of the things I've just talked about. There will instead be a clock. Okay. If it's a clock, you have to place it onto one of these um, cards that have the challenges on. Or.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Um. Some of these clocks have a black board around them, which means you cannot, under any circumstances, ignore them. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't, um, so you can choose to discard them instead of playing them. But you have to remove those that that bottom row to do it. Yeah. Um. When you get, uh, it's normally two clocks onto one of these challenges. You have to have defeated that, accomplished what it says on that card or you've lost the game. Sorry. So this might be to have, um, t- two rows of a certain color or, you know, those kind of challenges. Okay. Okay. Um, in the expert level of the game, the other thing you're doing these, um, when you're building your, your grid, when you lay out your colors in a specific shape, either a column of four, a row of four, or a block of four, mm-hmm. they each, when you do that, it triggers a special ability. So if you have a, a column of four, that's called a, a watchtower and it lets you re- reveal one of these challenge cards in advance because until that point, it's hidden information. So you know then what you're preparing for. So
0: you can start working towards that along with all the others.
1: Exactly. So you can't, you, you basically, you need to do that because otherwise you're just leaving it to chance as to whether you've done it or not. Mm -hmm. And if you fail it, um, I think you have to lose 16 tiles from your grid, which is, you know, as good as losing the game, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Um, one of the others, I can't remember if it's the block or the square means that you have to discard one fewer tile when you're discarding, uh, the clocks. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: and I can't remember what the other shape does, but they, they, they're, they're all these sort of, basically they're different things that you're doing to arrange tiles in certain ways um, to manipulate what's happening within the game. And it's all very clever. And it works <laughs> right. really, really well. But because you're effectively drawing a tile and playing it, and if you draw a certain tile, you have to <laughs> put it on that card. Yeah. Uh, you have one of these clock tiles. There, there is a large amount of randomness, and this is where some people's frustration with the game leaks in.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking can, a, a lot of games would say, you know, you have a hand of three or four tiles, and then you draw one, play one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas this, you know, you can draw two tiles, two clock styles right at the start of the game, and you've lost it before you've even been able to do anything. hmm Some people find that really frustrating. As far as I'm concerned, at that point, I just reshuffle and start again, because I haven't actually wasted a great deal of time. Yeah. Um so that's yeah that that that's the pros and cons of Castellion. It's a very abstract tile layer. Um if you lose it's going to last a minute. <laughs> if you win it's going to be perhaps twenty minutes. It's still not a long game. Yeah. Um like with the other, other Universe games, it has, you know, the I was going to say the Vavage pawn, which I think is the Sylveon name for it, but it's got you know the the plastic grinning piece in it. Um which acts as an expansion it mixes things up a bit it also has one other mini expansion in the game with um, six tiles in there which are uh, they're effectively dead tiles okay which doesn't sound interesting but actually is once you once you know what you're doing at the expert level and you're sort of winning fairly consistently and you've mixed in that Ravage pawn as well having these dead tiles in there is um interesting because you're you're creating blocks for yourself because they're right. breaking up the other structures and you've got to place them in some way um moving so, between so these so you, t-
0: you you might have to give up your dream of a row or column or whatever
1: yeah so that there's there's only six of these tiles um and you can choose to draw one of them instead of drawing the normal tiles but each time you advance between one of these three challenges you've got to have at least two of them into your grid at that point
0: so do, do they count as having shapes?
1: Um, they do have shapes. They're, they're because devoid that of That could colour. be quite useful. Yeah. They're devoid of color and they don't trigger any abilities. Hmm. But it, as you say, it can, although they still have shapes, um, the fact they're devoid of color means you can break up a block or a line. Sure. Because they've got to be with single color. So you can place them strategically, but right. they're not then contributing to the next structure that you build
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's an interesting little wrinkle um,
0: yeah that, that's quite yeah. cunning
1: yeah it's um, and I think I've played, played it about 70 odd times now right um, so you know a lot of gameplay out of it albeit some of those 70 odd games will be you know, as I say you know, I've drawn five tiles and I've already lost so the, the play length across those <laughs> 70 is, is hugely variable
0: yeah that, that's um, one of those things I find when, when you've got a challenge and a random setup, I mean, think of something like Railroad Inc or number nine, where you, you can do a beat your own score solo out of it, but there's so much input randomness that, you know, one, wh- one game you, you might say, I got 40 points and I did really well. Another game you might say, yeah. well, I got 80 points by just doing what seemed right at the time. Yeah. So it, it's hard to compare across plays.
1: Exactly. I think that's, yeah, you know, as you say, random tile draws, that's always, that's always going to be an issue. It, it creates, uh, well, a randomness in the game that you know, it might be unwinnable, it might be that one score's not comparable to another. That's just the way that those things work. Mm. Um I'll briefly address the the two player game in this because again it has got a two player MoTact on. Hey.
2: Um
1: in some respects I mean I haven't played the two player version of this but reading the rules in some respects I think it's better thought out. There is some player interaction. So in this case, you're both building a separate six by six tile grid, um, yeah, okay. and you can choose instead of discarding a tile or placing a tile, you can choose to pass a tile to the other player. Okay. They then have to place it in their t- in their area, and they also have to discard a tile.
0: So they're not, they're not getting anything extra.
1: They're not getting anything free. Um. So that there is an, an interactive element there and you're not competing against each other. You both have to pass both all the challenges.
0: So you might well say player B says, Oh, I could really use a triangle if, if you, if you can spare one or whatever. Yeah.
1: So that I think is interesting and does have a bit more interaction than some of the other, um, only verse two player variants. Where I say, I think maybe it's tacked on, um, is actually in terms of the physical components. Right, because you've still only got the same number of tiles, which are now spreading between two different players.
0: Right, so you're going to be getting through the deck and quite uh, quite a bit faster. And, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, um, and if you do reach that point where you've suddenly got to start losing sixteen tiles, that's a huge chunk. <laughs> I, I think at that point, really, it probably is unwinnable. Yeah,
0: because it, but being a, not going to have enough left to finish the grid. I take it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you don't, to be, to be clear, you don't have to finish with a six by six grid. Okay. You have to have, um, a row of six at the bottom at all times. If ever you don't have a foundation, as they call it, then you lose. But as long as you succeed against each of the three challenge cards and you, and that's either when you're forced to by the clock tiles or you can choose to do it early. Mm -hmm. But as long as you succeed against each of them, then you've won.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, so, that sounds like a lot of moving parts inter- interlocking yeah. in interesting ways.
1: It is, and it's, yeah, you know, it's, I think perhaps because it's a, a tile game as opposed to a card game, I don't know why it's sort of overlooked, and maybe because it's got this random element. Um, it's the, perhaps the most unusual of the Universe games. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah as I say it's very abstract it's uh, but it's it's a good game it really is and um, the fact that I've played it that many times sort of speaks for speaks for itself as far as my feelings towards it I suppose
0: and uh, this this is not one you're thinking of moving on I take it No I mean it, again
1: you know, it's it's a small box um and the fact that it is that random means it doesn't have a solvable setup I mean yes I know how I want to manipulate things that are generally like we we're talking about earlier getting those um watch out so you can see the challenges coming in advance mm-hmm. you want to get them out early so you know what's happening you then want to rearrange your defense as much as you can so that you can discard things freely and cycle through it so there is strategy there there is a winning strategy yeah but because it's so random you're not always guaranteed to win which is a big difference
0: and presumably some of the time you're going to have to tweak that strategy quite hard have any chance at all rather than just you know first turn play this second turn play that
1: yeah absolutely and
0: and the challenges
1: are different every game as well you know i think mm-hmm. there's um there's four of each one two three level in the in the expert version of the game there, there's four of each level of challenge um and they're shuffled and drawn randomly each time so it's, it's always going to be a different game and it's it's something that you know. Yes, because the strategy is going to be similar, even if the the outcome is different. Um, it's something that I might not want to play or not play for a few months, but then I can come back to it and play it again several times. Unlike <laughs> what we're just saying with Sylveon, where I come back to it after two years and it's still the same game.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, I think the the general thing thing I look for in in games. Uh, we we will have limited space for, for storing the things. Mm. Some something that will produce a lot of variation on that on that basic theme is, is definitely a, yeah. a, a plus point for me.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, that's Castelli on the Shadi Torbi, small box, great presentation. <laughs> Keeps going. <laughs>
0: So you, you lent me Heroes of Tenefere.
1: I did. What did you think of it? I I th- th- I'm not certain. I think the expansion has just hit the shops.
0: Right. <laughs> I, my opinion of it changed quite a lot because, because of other games I've been playing. Um, basically, <laughs> I've been playing quite a few other deck builders lately, uh, so- right. some, some of which we may eventually talk about here. And... Initially, they all start to blend together a bit, and now now I'm starting to say, okay, so here is the baseline thing, but now I'm yeah. picking up on the differences as well. Mm-hmm. And um, Tenofir looked actually much more interesting in the sense of <laughs> what what is its difference from baseline deck builder that, than it yeah. did when I was just considering it in isolation. So um, f- for me, the thing that really sprang out at me was that you ju- you just have the one currency. Yeah, wh- yeah. Whereas in Star Realms, you've got you know your your fighting power versus your buying new cards power. In, mm-hmm. in this, you ha- you have to get those victories because that's where your new cards are coming from as well. Yeah. Um, and then you need really quite a lean deck of the best possible cards because mm. if you got, if you're going to have your hand of three and you're going to need you know ten or more combat power out of it. All right, it gets a bit more complicated because of the solo, solo rules and so on. But you, know, you 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 really have to be quite ruthless about winnowing out the low power cards, yeah, in order to have any chance of getting anywhere in the later game.
1: Yeah, and it does mean that you know card draw cards, things that increase your hand size or let you search through the deck, they become yeah. super valuable as well.
0: Yeah, we, and they're they're a thing that turn up in a lot of games. But th- this was the one that felt to me like the really you must use all the things available to you and you must use them mm. efficiently or, yeah. or the game will wipe the floor with you which i think
1: that's fair because yeah you know, as you say normally if, if you increase your hand card your hand size by 1 isn't a big deal if you've already got eight cards in your hand when you've only got three it becomes mm. a much bigger thing
0: yeah so although, although all right i'm i'm not generally speaking a, a particularly skilled player of this kind of thing um but i ha- I had fun with it in, in, with that constant feeling of if i if I make one error i 'm probably going to lose mm. but but I still enjoyed it that that's that 's the thing i mean there there are games that can kick my ass and um, i don't enjoy it but th- this one, yeah all right yes, yeah, sure i'll lose, but okay, I can see what I did wrong there, maybe if I do it this way next time, which I think you, you were saying about uh, apex apex theropod um yeah. a similar sort of thing of. Yes, yes, it's a hard game, but you can see what's going on, Mm. and yeah. In spite of, as as you know, I'm not generally fond of of that sort of genre fantasy theme. I I really enjoyed it on a mechanical level.
1: That's good. I mean, I can hear that you enjoyed it, and that's yeah. I mean, that's all you want from a game, isn't it? If you're enjoying
0: it. I mean, sure. I'd love to reskin it with something else, but. But also, also little things like, you know, the, the, one of the cards in one of the high level dungeons is the lost goblin who is a much lower level monster and will just run away when you fight him. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, as we said in the previous episode, I think trying to think back two months ago, um, it, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And that's mm-hmm. part of its charm.
0: That does help a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I've... All right, I'm, I'm still not, probably not going to uh, try to find a copy and buy it, but I did have I did have fun with that.
1: Uh, here's a question for you, Roger: If it wasn't Heroes of Tenafir, but instead was Blake Seven, the Card Game, would you <laughs> hunt it down then?
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. theme oh, can go a long oh. way. Yeah, I, I I admit I am shallow in this regard. I mean, I, I saw a game recently where I, I just fell in love with the card art, and it turns out the game is apparently quite good too. But I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I still love the cards and just the, the general <laughs> graphic design of the thing. So,
1: well, I mean, honestly, you know, we were talking about Sylveon earlier in the episode, and that's you know one of the reasons I've held on to it. I love the
0: art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it it
0: does make a difference. Yeah. I'm, People get, uh, do you know Abyss? Uh, it came out a few that years that ago. the one
1: that had the two different covers on the game?
0: Possibly, it's, um, yeah, Bruno Catharla, Charles Chevalier.
1: Yeah, that's the one. And,
0: and you're, um, you know, collecting undersea creatures and using yeah. them to get the lords and using the lords to get the locations and mechanically, yeah, it's okay, it's nothing all that special, but, but the art is absolutely gorgeous.
1: Hmm. So I guess is why they chose to have two different covers, Mm. trying to encourage people to to buy two copies. I guess
0: (laughs) I don't think a lot of board gamers do that, but yeah,
1: it was a very strange gimmick. (laughs) Although to be fair, it's pretty much the only reason I know the game, (laughs) (laughs) so it worked.
0: (laughs) But yeah, here here is a ton of fear. It's um, graphically, it's okay. I mean, you can see what's where on the card. I'm I'm not. Drawn in by the art, but um no, what, I, mean, what, I mean, I think I, I said before, that, uh, mechanically, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, the art, the art isn't great. And I think it's a shame when you can contrast that art with the art on the box, which it's like, it
0: belongs in a different game entirely. Yeah, you've got this fa- fairly, okay, fairly standard fantasy, but it works. Mm. Background painting and you, you, the small heroic figures in the front and that. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, compared with the rather more stylized internal card art. Yeah and uh, I learned to you flam rouge you did you
1: did which i have played um but not to my great shame very recently mm-hmm. um and this is a game i've played multiplayer with you a couple of times as well uh, yeah. i think we mentioned that when we discussed it previously mm-hmm. um solo i thought it was interesting um again similarities i think with um, and again well, did we talk about this before similarities with downforce
0: i uh, don't think yeah. i mentioned that in particular i mean yes that the okay. parallel is definitely there
1: yeah yeah um i i mean it's not a terribly taxing mentally game mm. um but it it works as a a light solo racing game um which isn't uh, an easy thing to to pull off
0: yeah my my history with the solo mode on this is i've I've started setting it up um four or five times when i've been between games at conventions and every time somebody has come along and thought it looked interesting and wanted to play so mm. I've, n- I've never actually played it fully slowly right okay but so um, I, I mean you, you've got
1: it. i think it's two or two or three um Different opposing teams that you're you're playing against.
0: You, you've got two types at least, and that, then you, then you've got a couple yeah. of special cards that go in there.
1: there there's two types, and I think um, one of the types you can have multiple yeah. versions of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and and they were a challenge. I I I didn't win, which I think whenever I played it multiplayer with you, I have. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, this may be another reason why I've never actually got to the end of a solo game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 honestly, I should have played it more recently to to talk about it on the podcast. Um, but my, my my impressions of it were that it was it, it did what it was meant to do. That it was a light like, racing game. That it was soloable. Hmm. Would I choose to to play it? No, probably not. Um, but then that's not. Really, my kind of game, and if I do want to go down that route, I've got downforce with my own solo rules for that. Sure. Um, which as I say is is doing a, you know, a, a similar thing that I'll choose a, a hand for my or a card for my hand to play, and then I'll reveal one for, for the AI.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting the um relative economy with which they've basically said, All right, the the so the bot opponent. Is essentially playing a random card, and then mm. we've got this relatively small rules tweak to make that still competition the, the, yeah. the, the one special card.
1: Yeah, exactly. One special card that goes into there that's you know an, an ultra powerful move, which um, depending on when it appears during the game is either going to help them catch up or it's going to make them pull further ahead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or if it comes, yeah, if it comes at the wrong moment, and there's a hill. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was sort of what happened in, um, in the, in the game that I played solo was there, yeah, you know, that they, they pulled far ahead and then trying to catch up just, um, wasn't happening. I think I was glad to get into the, into the home straight by the time they finished.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, and as we were saying before, I think it it is possible to get a runaway leader. That may just indicate, you know, different levels of skill. Yeah. Or it may not, I, I, I don't feel confident enough in my skill to say. But, no, so. and
1: of course they, they don't pick up exhaustion cards, the the bots. Mm-hmm. So they're always going to be moving, whereas, you know, if, if you, so that's what almost sort of exacerbates it, if you fall behind the, that group and you start picking up exhaustion cards. Um, yeah, they, you're, they're never going to
0: take that short move to get rid
1: of the card. No. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it does mean that staying with them is perhaps even more important than it would be in a in a normal game.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's surprising how often a pack will st- uh, of, of human players uh, mm. will will stay together until really quite late on in the game. Yeah, maybe, maybe the two yeah. thirds mark, uh, which to me is a good sign. I mean, it's it's suggesting mm. things are, things are going well. People are being challenged. Well, it also helps keep people interested. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, you know, if if there's an obvious li- leader or an obvious loser, then the players that aren't winning aren't enjoying it as much anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, we, so I
1: mean, the, yeah, that is one of the the key points of Flamme Rouge, the fact that everybody is together and everybody's still thinking they can win it, perhaps right to the end, even if they're thinking, well, you know, it's going to take a bit of luck, but I can still do it.
0: Mm. And yet, and I think I can't remember if I've said it on the show before, but there, there there is this dilemma in a long game. If the last turn can turn the loser into a winner, what was the point of all the previous turns? If it yeah, can't, yeah, what's the point that. of playing the last turn? Yeah. I mean, there, there are lots there of, is that many... that, that's not meant to be an impossible question. There are lots of different answers to it. Uh, but, but I, 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 think I think what Flam Rouge is doing with that is, is saying your, your card play earlier tells you what you've got in reserve for that last moment. Yeah. But you, exactly. but, but you can probably keep up with the pack with either quite good or quite bad card play.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the key to it—that it isn't a, a random turn of events that somebody f- can feel like they've lost randomly. Mm. I think that that's, yeah, that that's the important thing. As long, as long as it's open and anybody can win, but everybody at the table can recognise it's the right winner—that <laughs> they haven't just been lucky.
0: Yeah, and maybe somebody uh, somebody drew a hand of three exhaustion, but they did pick up that exhaustion in the first place.
1: yeah exactly i mean i remember i think the very first game we played together um my ruler won Mm. and i think my original tactic was to get him out in front and let the the sprinter slipstream him until towards the end
0: that's the theoretical way it's meant to work yeah
1: right and um i think gary was at the table and said to us, oh, the last time I played this, somebody won just by playing the highest card in their hand every time and that shouldn't work and we all had a good laugh. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing that with my ruler because he was out in front and he just stayed out in front. Yeah. And I just kept playing the highest card, more or less. You know, I didn't play the highest card when he was in a restriction and it wouldn't have made him go further. Yeah, um, And I played the lowest card when I was going to get a boost going downhill. Sure, But for the most part, I just played the highest card in every round and I was lucky that... I never had to play an exhaustion card
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that and that was the luck in that, <laughs> so it led from start to finish, but there was always one card in the hand that wasn't an exhaustion card,
0: yeah so certainly i, I can say that uh, doing that is not an automatic win at least it gets no. to get players
1: no not not at all and and it shouldn't be um and uh, again you know, that 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 was luck there, normally you would have a hand of just exhaustion cards at that
0: point. <laughs> The, the other thing I, I think I mentioned when we talked about it before is uh, the, the tour-style game where, you, effectively, you have a season of um, three or four or five or six individual races. And mm-hmm. and in each one, each rider keeps half the exhaustion cards they had at the end of the previous race. Mm-hmm. So you, you've, you've yeah. got that handicapping. And, and uh, obviously, it takes a lot longer to play, but I do I do find that a lot of fun, too.
1: Yeah, and you've got that sort of campaign element to it then, which is always interesting mm-hmm. as well. That's very good. So yeah, Flam Rouge, I think um as we say, it's not perhaps my kind of game. Um, albeit it is something I can enjoy with the right people. Sure. And maybe that's the key that yeah, you know, I think I prefer it as a multiplayer game, even as I can see that as a solo game it it it, it is doing something different to pretty much any other solo game you can get hmm. out there that aren't. Out of the box solo racing games,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it was designed as multiplayer first, and then the, the solo mode was in the first expansion,
1: sure. But, okay, so, so it's in expansion. Um, but other racing games to get solo rules at all, um, you're looking at unofficial variants <laughs> on BGG, so it, it, it's yeah, they, got they, a unique they, part they, of the market there.
0: I think back in episode one, we may, maybe we talked about uh, Rally Ban GT. And yeah of
1: course yeah but again you're competing it's it's uh you i do yeah, it's,
0: it's time, but, it but there are about four or five different unofficial variants on a car that you can put on the track and run automatically to compete with you okay <laughs> and they, yeah. they, they all hang out know, different levels of complexity different different levels of uh, interest and yeah. you know, how much they obey the restrictions and so on so that, that's all quite fun as well I've,
1: I will say that I know of at least two motor racing soloable games. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which I've got on my shelf and we might talk about in a future episode. Sure. Um, sure. But that's, I think, where Flam Rouge down for uh, sort of family level, almost party games.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's fair.
1: Valleyman GT is perhaps a slight step up on that.
0: Yeah, not, not not super complex. Most people who play modern board games should have no trouble learning it, but it's not a thing I'd necessarily give to a first-time gamer.
1: Yeah. These other game, two games that I'm thinking of are more like... Uh, they're they're the, the war game equivalent of, <laughs> of racing games. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very complex with different rules for weather conditions and gear changes and everything else so it's a rayman sure. like gt fits somewhere in the middle there but the, this mm-hmm. the, these ones are right at the end which is perhaps why they're soloable out the box because they've got all these moving war game-ish parts anyway
0: so you've got enough, enough complexity i mean what one of the things in, in for example uh, flam rouge is you've only got the, the two decisions well three decisions to make per turn who's playing first first card you play yeah. second card you play and you, yeah. you you can do some cunning things with that. There's a lot there's a large ish possibility space, but it's still a relatively small set of decisions compared with, you mm. know, what do we do if the weather changes? What do we do about changing tires? What about the wear on the gearbox, etc., that you that you can do in in a complex racing game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a, a minimal take on it. Mm. You know you know what it is, um but it's not getting down into the real detail of changing gears and
0: I'm, I'm sure you could do a uh, bicycle racing game with that sort of level of detail. You know how much effort I'm, you I'm put sure. in, where, what, yeah. what, what what sort of equipment do you use, and so on. I, I'm not aware of it. it I'm it sure you well could. Perhaps,
1: perhaps even there's a, a forthcoming Flamme Rouge expansion which is going to add gear changes. I have no idea. <laughs> well, the, the small children running out from the crowd. You need to swerve to avoid.
0: <laughs> the the current plan, and this was originally going to come out a couple of years ago, and nobody really quite knows why it didn't. Uh, the the next expansion is meant to be mostly formalising the Grand Tour rules, which already are are out there freely, mm-hmm. uh, but also adding a couple of extra tiles like roundabouts, which split the lanes. So if if right, you okay. if you're the first one through the roundabout, you can block up the shorter lane and force everybody else to go an extra space or okay. two. That kind of thing. Right.
1: So th- this isn't roundabouts with European driving rules to confuse the Americans.
0: Well, in theory they are, but in practice it's just the shorter (laughs) way and the longer way. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in the States. I've gone round roundabouts in the States. They call them traffic circles. It's just most most cities, most counties don't have them.
1: Traffic circles or turnarounds, I've heard them called as well.
0: I know that one. (laughs) I'll bear bear it in mind next time.
1: Anyway, yes, that was Flamme Rouge. By somebody I forget the name of.
0: Asger harding Granarud.
1: I'm glad you're here, Roger. (laughs) I'm sure that was immaculate pronunciation.
0: I've possibly been to Scandinavia more recently than you have, but that's about the only...
1: Yeah, at least two years for me, I think. (laughs)
0: So that was more games than time. Uh, th- thanks for listening, and um, we hope to be back again next month, or at least some of us, depending on available time and everything else. Meanwhile, uh, there is a discussion forum at discussion to Kelly Lee, and it's all should all be linked from where you downloaded this show.
1: Thanks so much for joining
0: us. <laughs>